2: Unspoken Issues. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unspoken Issues Podcast. My goodness, we are back and we are going to be discussing some DC comics this go round. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking some Spectre comics. That's Dean Compton over there. He's given us some deep thought and into some Spectre related sandwiches. That up there is Dairy Weight. I'm Jesse Starcher. I've got questions already because I've never Red. I know the Spectre. All right. I know about the Spectre. I really remember when how Jordan became the Spectre. That was the big thing. That was the big thing for me. I know the Spectre's been around forever before that, but I've kind of got to throw this around here real quick. just a little. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. He's got a little bit of history. Jim Corrigan's got a little bit of history with the Spectre there. But, yeah, I mean, first off, it's called the Spear of Destiny, issues 19 through 22 of the Spectre. The Spectre comics, and I, for the longest time, I thought on the cover, does it say the Spectre or is it just Spectre? I see your, I see I don't your Spectre. Oh, it says
1: the Spectre. I thought it said the Spectre. This is volume three, so.
2: And I, so I was looking it up. I see your Spectre uh, Funko there. It's nice, Great, right? very nice. So I'm a Mark. Uh, wow, well, Dean. Okay, I know this was your idea, right? What
1: is it? It, the, Anything the sp- bad that happens on this show was not my idea. Anything good that happens on this show was my idea.
2: Okay, there you go. So do me a favor. Sure. I guess, number one, give me your history, of The Spectre. Is, are, is this a, a, a read for
1: you that you've read for quite a
2: while, or were you reading this back in the day? Tell me about The Spectre.
1: Sit under the learning tree for a minute, kid. All right. Learn me So one. actually, the first time I heard of The Spectre, my mom had to go to this doctor in Little Rock to see a specialist. I got to go, and on the way back... We went to the mall. I went to the KB Toy Store, which is a big deal because we didn't have a mall in Batesville. And they had DC Cosmic cards. They didn't have the Marvel cards. They'd started getting the Marvel cards. They didn't have any. All they had was DC Cosmic cards. So I got a couple packs of those. And one of them was a card about the crisis on Infinite Earths. And uh, it was part of a three-card-like deal. Like, there were three Crisis on Infinite Earths cards. But this one was like the Spectre was squaring off with the anti-monitor. I never heard of this fucking guy. <laughs> But it looked cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked mom about him and, like, you know, because for whatever reason, I was from all about superheroes. Like, she was like a big fan or something. I was like, hey, mom, I was a specter. Like, you no know, shit from apple butter about this, but I would ask. <laughs> anyway. I guess, you know, it's kind of like the old story. Like, you know, there's a drunk guy looking for his keys under a street light, and somebody goes to help him. And, like, after a little bit, the guy who comes to help him is like, where'd you lose him anyway? He's like, oh, I lost him across the street. Like, well, why are you looking here? It's like, just where the light is. <laughs> you know, so I, I had to ask her, you know, who else was going to, you know, until I became friends with a, a local DJ, I didn't have a lot of people to ask or talk to about this kind of stuff. So uh, she kind of remembered the Spectre, but, you know, didn't really know a whole lot about it. Eventually, I would get to talk to Ben Johnson, who was a local DJ, and he, he informed me about the Spectre and, you know, how it was like, you know, basically like, the wrath of God incorporated into like a human vessel. And then I started reading like all-star squadron. I got to the justice society and I learned the specter was a huge part of that. As I learned that like comic book history, like Jerry Siegel, you know, co-creator Superman co-created the specter. is a very important character for those reasons. You know, one of those characters that like, you'll see him in like the sixties and Neil Adams is drawing him juggle planets in the fucking 80s, Doug Minch did a series where he's basically a private detective. And then I think you come to the magnum opus of the Spectre, which is uh, Ostrander and Mandrake's work on Volume 3. John Ostrander, I think, is the most underrated comic book writer in history. I think he had a masterpiece with Grimjack. He had a masterpiece with Suicide Squad, of course, along with uh, his late right, his late partner, Kim Yale, then he had a masterpiece here with the Spectre, and he's done a lot of other good work, too. Uh, Firestorm, Heroes for Hire, Good Run on Punisher. But, like, these are just, like, three absolute knocked-out-of-the-ballpark, you know, runs, and we just, we just don't talk enough about them. I just love, I love the idea of the Spectre, that this is the wrath of God, but he's sort of confused. He needs earthly guidance, because otherwise, you know, we'd all be judged. We'd all be damned, you know? it's like, Right, uh, right. Romans three ten, as it is written, there are none righteous, no, not one. And like Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we're going to be very strict about judgment, then like you know, well, then apparently none of us passed this mark. And that's not what the spectre is here for. So you get this, you get this series here where like John Ostrander was not afraid of going after those metaphysical questions. He wasn't afraid of the power level of the spectre. That's something a lot of people have been upset about before, like when they've tried to write it. Like I can't write the spectre. He can know anything. He's like, no, that's part of the beauty of it. It's all about this metaphysical, almost force of nature that is essentially does God's dirty work who has been attached to a human who has to like funnel everything through the lens of both the divine and the mortal to figure out exactly what their purpose is and what they should do. And that's what this whole series is about. In the end, it, it, it wraps up beautifully. Everything's really, you know, really, really, really done well from start to finish with, in, in this series. This may be the best four issues of it, and certainly um, Wizard loved it back in the day. I think that the, I think the, the cover of 22 is like... Iconic, where Superman's hold the spear of destiny against the Spectre. Uh, and I just, I just love the Spectre, you know, since I saw that card. It's just, I think it's a simple look, but a good one, a character that you can do anything with. And most importantly, somebody I could brag to people about knowing about when I was a kid that they didn't know about so that I could feel better about myself. <laughs>
2: that's the most important oh, thing. Most right? importantly. <laughs> most
1: important thing. I know that was a bit of a rant, but I'm the Spectre guy here. So, uh, so that's uh, all right. But I chose nice. it because I thought y'all would really love this one. I think it's an incredible, incredible four-issue story that, like, uh, if you don't like the Spectre after this, you're probably just not going to like the Spectre. Mm. Well, he's like, well, then I don't like the Spectre. <laughs>
0: <No>.
2: <laughs> Getting into the cosmic level stuff, it's hard enough for me to do that with Marvel sometimes, and then you, you throw me into the cosmic level DC, I'm way out of my element then.
1: And, and Spectre's weird because he's both, you know, he's cosmic and magic. He's one and, of those yeah. guys, you know, like... He's not a lot like Adam Warlock, but there's a similarity there where Adam Warlock does like magic shit. But also he's like, but look at this cosmic gym," And, you know, right. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying.
2: Derry, how about you, man? Were you picking up Spectre issues off of the shelves?
1: Uh,
0: No, no. But Spectre 22 was the first Spectre comic I ever read because I was obsessed with Alex Ross. And uh, I was trying to get every uh, comic I could that had his. So I read Spectre 22 not long after uh, it came out, relatively at least, and uh, I was very confused. I don't even think at the time I realized it was part of a larger story. So I just had like one more random long-haired Superman comic, but I was like, "That's great cover." And then, uh, you know, Jesse, to your point, when uh, Hal Jordan becomes
1: the Spectre, I did buy every issue of that book. I are think you it was kidding by- me. Like nobody, you guys are the ones. Like this, this, this run of Spectre, Spectre Volume Four sold two copies a month, and apparently it was <laughs> t too. It was us, Cyberforce, and the Spectre on <laughs> hold. They're like, they don't publish reports anymore. It's 1999, asshole. I don't care. You keep the marker in there just in case. Yeah, you, you make sure. You, you listen, make listen, sure. Listen, 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 listen. If Bucky can come back, so can Heatwave.
0: That's mm. right. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Real.
1: Um, I haven't read a lot of that one. I did enjoy the uh, Day of Judgment. Many of them went into that. Go on with your inspector experiences, though, because it's just funny. It's the most I've ever heard about that run.
0: Well, you you hit the nail on the head. I I just I read Day of Judgment because like back then I would read every crossover. I figured they were all important.
1: And I didn't know can't miss anything
0: what did i know and then you get to the end of that book and you know spoilers for a pretty old comic but you know how jordan comes back saves the day you get a cameo by the not yet resurrected green lantern Corps, and then suddenly he is the specter and he begins this long vegeta esque redemption arc that eventually many years later will end in green lantern rebirth and he's currently the green lantern of earth so someone somewhere did something right but uh, I was just intrigued. I was like, what? This is a character who I remember very clearly going down a very bad path from uh, the death of Superman and Mongols destroying Coast City and Parallax and Emerald Twilight and all that stuff. And suddenly it's like, can this guy be a hero again? And the answer is, well, yeah, probably, except most of the stories are going to. That was a very metaphysical run. I think that well, was J.M.D.
1: Matisse write it. Yeah. Yeah, so. man. They, you know, a lot of those. Sto- I love the guy. I think he does good work. But a lot of those stories gonna end in a hug.
0: That's uh, that's well said. That's well said. And then, I mean, like you I don't said, think I went. There's
1: anything wrong with that. But like, is there's not as much guys punching guys and somehow solving problems from it that you come to expect from a superhero comic. Mm. Well said.
0: I, I was also very fascinated by the fact that the Spectre was co-created by Jerry Siegel. I love the idea that after striking gold with Superman, well, someone struck gold with Superman. He didn't necessarily strike gold with Superman. He created the Spectre, who is, you know, still around today, still very popular and still very iconic, but also incredibly different from Superman. So I, again, I I, I thought it was great to uh, to see this legacy carry on, and 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 uh, you know, you you guys said all the interesting parts, but the the Spectre is just one of those great high concept characters, like the the Wrath of God from the Bible, is in human form, right. and I uh,
1: killed you know, the Egyptians on Passover.
0: Man, you know. That's a concept. That's a concept that can be used in in many different ways. I I, I would say quite often um, some of my least favorite character stories are when he is with the Justice Society of America, because, you know, Jesse mentioned, like, what do you do with a guy who's that powerful? And it's just like, well... Then it gets kinda it get kind of rough. But but there are there are good stories too, because you know, at the same time he he's potentially all powerful, but he's also, you know, in a very Christ-like way. He's limited by, you know, human capacity and and by his host. So it's interesting too to see what he what he will get away with, what he won't get away with, and you know, just have him standing next to you know, the cyborg or whomever, every time they're having like a big team up and it's like, OK, that's that's the wrath of God. That's the guy with half a metal face. It's, uh, you know, only, only in comics, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: To point out how different he was and also to kind of talk about him as part of the Justice Society, when uh, when they first do it, talk about how different he was from Superman. Like the early Spectre stuff is like hard boiled detective shit. Like, a lot of times, like, he just, he's a dead cop who comes back, but then he mostly, like, punches a guy. And so, for a while, I don't think that Jim Corrigan recognizes the implicit limitations of being dead. So, at that point, he feels like he's having camaraderie with the JSA because they're all out there punching guys called, like, you know, I don't know. Mr. Nazi Spy or some bullshit, and like you're like, how the fuck can that be somebody's name? But then as he grows, you know, as he learns more. He's like, I'm not really, a, you know, like them. And then yeah, we get to see some of that happen here. But it is funny because as he grows into, more into his role, it does become funny where it's like, okay, all right, the world's fastest man, sure, he's hanging out with that guy and. And the guy with the magic ring who can do anything except affect Wood. Sure, he hangs out with that guy. Super powerful magician guy. Yeah, sure. And also this really short guy who's really good at fight. Boy, Al Pratt sure is in shape. It becomes, like, funny. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, Spectre, his good friend, Dr. Midnight. Yeah, the Spectre's the wrath of God. What does Dr. Midnight do? Well, he's blind, but he can see at night. He has an owl. It's like, okay, that's it? He's also a medical doctor. All right. Well, so, yeah, later on, it does it does seem somewhat silly, you know, but at the time it's groundbreaking. It's, 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 you know, groundbreaking and not just this medium, but like almost every medium, you know, like the idea that like there would be team up shows or crossover shows later, you know, in like regular television, it all kind of stems from that All-Star Comics number three.
2: So talking about John Ostrander, I'm looking at, mike's amazing world of comics here and uh yeah just taking a look at his history looks like they've got his first entry here on this now granted it may not be his first work but looks like well speaking of the word first that was the publisher that he was writing first, for. Comics, was right? first, first comics,
1: comics right yeah 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 because yeah. he's now, out the chicago school he knew mike gold and those guys okay all right he's actually yeah. like a playwright when he got into comics i believe oh really yeah
2: Interesting. Yeah, a Star Slayer. It looks like he's got quite a few stories written there. Grimjack.
1: Fools too. What a great yeah, fucking comic book. yeah it's fucking uh, sick.
2: Oh wow. The
1: guy literally kills the fucking sun. It's beautiful. Oh.
2: <laughs> that's insane. Makes sense. Star Slayer. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, it looks like 1986. He plotted DC's Legends number one. It looks like that's his yep. first work listed here for DC. So, yeah, mainly... Now that a starts
1: Suicide Squad.
2: Okay, yeah, you'd mention that there. And uh, did this guy ever leave to go to Marvel at all? It doesn't yeah, look he like... Did, it. Uh, oh, wait, he wait, wait, I'm sorry. Later
1: in, like, you 95, he did Heroes for Hire. He did Quicksilver in the late 90s. Yeah. So, uh, uh, he may have done some... I think he did a couple Westerns for them, too. Like, I think he did Blaze of Glory or something.
2: Okay. Gotta give a shout-out to his Valiant work here. Magnus Robot Magnus Fighter.
1: Robot Fighter. Yep, yep. Yep.
2: Yep. Ryan the Future Force. A few issues there, too.
1: Yeah, oh, Ryan the Future Force. That's a bad man. name. <laughs> and
2: then, and then uh, let's see. I think there are some uh, Eternal Warrior listed there, too.
1: So, all yeah, right. He wrote that for a little bit, too.
2: Definitely own a few issues of And he did this like the written. Martian
1: Manhunter solo series, also with Tom Mandrake, which I haven't read all of, but what I've read is really good. And I get the feeling that when I'm done with it, I will feel like it is also a masterpiece.
0: Masterpiece. I've I've read every issue of that series. I, I'm a fan. Very nice.
1: Do you think Ostrander is underrated? Do you think he's unrec- unrecognized? Very
0: yeah oh incredibly so
1: yeah I, I Like uh, wildly so right like this is this is like somebody being like oh man I like baseball and you're like yeah do you like Willie Mays who's Willie Mays <laughs> like you know like do you like Mike Trout who's I've never heard of him Do you? Do, are you sure you like but you know because I've, I've said this to people but then you say the shit right like you're like Suicide Squad Grimjack Martian Manhunter the, that Punisher
0: runs so I am a fan of of uh, Ostrander, Ostrander, however you pronounce it. Uh, I've read a lot of his work. A lot of his stuff was coming out right when I was uh, really, really into it. So he was a he was a formative presence for me. And uh, yeah, just to go back to Suicide Squad, you know, there is a reason that that property has been as successful as it was that original run by him and and his collaborators in the late 80s is fantastic and all the way to the end yeah it really it holds up it touches every corner of the dc universe and amanda waller is one of the
1: best fictional characters of all time full stop oh for sure and also like it's it's so funny Because it's one of those ideas. Because, you know, come full circle. The suicide squad's like created in the 60s, but they're like, you know, basically like an A team type thing. You know, like they're like, we go in where there's missions that can't be done, you know, and it's not bad or anything, but it's fairly, you know, run of the mill. But the idea that the government would take supervillains and offer them pardons and money to do dirty work for the government is so great of an idea. I feel like everyone in the fucking business had to have been jealous they didn't think of it. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's like so obvious. It's right there. Like, of course, that's what they would do.
2: Man, I was taking a look through here at uh, Tom Mandrake's Career as well. Uh, um, I,
1: I, you can't sell that guy short. Fuck it. right, Tight man. As
2: hell. Yeah, looking. Uh, looking like first entry here back in 1980. But man, yeah, he's right, right there along with Austrianer all the way through the end, most of the end, of, most of the series. Yeah, I he mean, does, almost, yeah
1: it, it's referred to as like the Ostrander and uh, Mandrake Spectre a lot of time because right. like he does almost every issue. They, he does almost all of Martian Manhunter too. These guys grox in a way that like when it happens, like, you know, you talk about something like, you know, like Claremont Byrne, you know, like when it comes together, there's just nothing like that creative synergy. These guys just had it. And that's not me. You know, you can listen to me saying, or you can go find their interviews. They'll say the same thing. Like, they love working together, and they always seem to be on the same page.
2: There is a book that came out in 2008 that (laughs) Mandrake did. Superman and Batman versus Vampires Vampires and Werewolves. Werewolves.
1: Yeah, I've read that. It's not very good, but his art's good. I
2: was going to say, the art's probably on par. I don't know who Kevin Van Hook is.
1: The best part of that book is when they get Green Arrow. Okay, this Batman's like, yeah, listen, I know somebody who can take out a lot of vampires pretty quick.
2: All right. Well, let's go ahead, hop in here and talk about what we've come to the show for. And that is Spear of Destiny. So, yeah, I mean, when you start talking Spear of Destiny, you title your story that, I mean, I, I kind of know uh, at least a little bit about what we may be getting in this series. <laughs> Uh, in the, in these few issues with uh, the Spear of Destiny. That's one of the... Uh, I don't consider myself an occult guy or anything like that, but I'm, you know, if you read comic books or you I consider watch you sci- an occult guy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know.
1: I'm always like, hey, if there's somebody...
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A
0: laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
2: Ch-ch-chumba.
1: ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Is somebody doing a seance or something? I bet it's old Jesse. It. I bet I Jesse's have. over there just making salt pentagrams and summoning Incubi. I bet that's old Jesse.
2: I'm telling you right now, the the backdrop I had to I had to put up just because the pentagram was coming right, right. through the video. You're like, um, sorry
1: about all the goat skulls, guys. <laughs>
2: My apologies. No, um, for real,
1: go on. You're not an occult guy, but go
2: on. <laughs> I, know, I, I know enough. I've watched my X-Files I pro- and, and, and all that. So like Spear of Destiny, I, I kind of knew what we were going to be getting into. So again, we've already talked a little bit about the creative team here. Tom Mandrake, John Ostrander are uh, writing this. Uh, John Ridgway pops in here for an issue, I think. He does uh, a great it, job
1: too. Yeah. It fits right in. fits right
2: in. Letter by Todd Klein and color by Carla Feeney. So this hits
1: the man, right? Like, can you imagine a better letter? I can tell you that I
2: was very impressed. Very, I mean, very like imp- that
1: dude, like everything he touches, like it's just it's just what well, you know, like it's him. He's like one yeah. of the only guys I can say that about the except for, except for also old Jesse. He's got some handwriting now. <laughs> yeah,
2: wait, wait till you see my Sanskrit, ladies and gentlemen.
1: That's what I'm going to call you for now. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Oh, old, <laughs> old
2: Jesse. And when I became an uncle and became Uncle Jesse, I thought it was the greatest thing ever because. The- <laughs>
1: sure, sure. <laughs> All right. When is it's time to be alive? Oh
2: no, kidding! Hits the shelves April of 1994. So that's where we were at when this got onto the comic book shelves. So let's talk about the synopsis here real quick. And this is uh, uh, we we the first issue is it definitely feels kind of separate from or, or just a, a kind of a lead in maybe to kind of showcase the. Specter's power, but Dean and Derry, you feel free to chime in here. Well, actually, at the end of this, I would love to get your opinion on this first issue. The story begins with Mai Miyazaki, who transforms into a being called Naiad after being engulfed in spilled oil on the sea and lit a fire. Empowered by Gaia, the soul of the world, Naiad seeks revenge on those who harm the earth. Okay, so base level. There you go. That's one of the big villains that's going to be showing up here. Meanwhile. Racial tensions escalate between Jewish and African-American communities in a place called the Enclave. Rabbi Jacob Shulman is acquitted after a tragic accident where he drove his car into a group of African-American children, killing a young boy. The specter, the cosmic entity of divine vengeance, arrives on the scene to judge Shulman, but discovers it was an accident and refrains from condemning him. However, the hatred intention among the crowd outside summoned two malevolent entities that feed upon the hatred. The Spectre fights these hate entities but soon realizes that Asmodus, Asmodus is that the name? A- yeah, Asmodus. Asmodus. a hellspawn is behind their appearance, which he kind of shows up and Spectre's like be gone, man, and he was he he begat. He got out of there. But I, from what I understand just looking at the wiki asmodus is like a common enemy of
1: yeah spe- yeah he fights again and, and again asmodus is like the name of a, a demon or an angel that becomes a demon in the Bible I can't remember you know what it is and also not to be confused with like Asmodeus, an, an angel who turns rogue who will fight the JLA not long out, like about four years after this so couple like there's a yeah. lot of evil angels in the DC universe it's something they do.
2: I've kept trying to say Asmodeus a lot for some reason.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it, it, they've used both terms, but like, yeah, this is, it makes sense. Like this, I can't remember. I've I read this story so long ago, but they don't like each other and their histories are intertwined and it has to do with their uh, metaphysical roles with the, the source or the presence, God, however you're going to say it.
2: So even after the specter shows up and like gets these entities, I mean, it's not like He is not visible fighting these things. These things are like the size of buildings as they're fighting. It looks like this is happening all in front of these two communities that are clashing and tensions still rise. And the specter tries to go down there and attempts to quell the violence. Eh, It kind of works, kind of doesn't. Meanwhile, President Clinton seeks a way to control or destroy the (laughs) specter, believing he has gone insane. Professor Nicodemus Hazard investigates the Specter's history and learns of the Spear of Destiny, a mystical artifact capable of controlling or destroying the Spectre. Unbeknownst to Hazard, the Spear has a corrupting influence on its possessors. The story also explores...
1: Another Spe- terrible thing Hitler did.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it also it explores the... Ex- the specter's internal struggles as he grapples with a sense of justice and the consequence of his actions. As the plot unfolds, Naiad con- confronts the specter, accusing him of hypocrisy for denying her vengeance. So she shows up, and she is upset with the oil company. Essentially, she's like what in the water elemental.
1: Yeah, uh, um, she comes from... Uh, actually, Ostrander brought her over from uh, his run on Firestorm. There was like an elemental war that Swamp Thing was involved in, Firestorm is the fire elemental, Red Tornado becomes the wind elemental, uh, the air elemental, and then um, uh, Nyad is the water elemental. And indeed her human side or whatever was, like, killed by this oil company, you know, because she was like, hey, don't be doing oil stuff here. And she sailed out to the middle of a, a big slick where they had polluted. And they're like, let's light it on fire and kill her. What's the worst that could happen? Well, <laughs> the worst that could happen is she would get attached to the water elemental Niad. And then, like, uh, they have their war. I haven't read it, so I don't know how it comes. But I think things were settled. And now this is, like, a, a resurfacing of her, of, uh, of that of NIAD now more under the control of Gaia than the original uh, Maya Miyazuki. I, I can't yeah. remember. You, know? um, yeah, you, got it. you got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's the way I understood that. But this is, Ostrander brought a lot of characters that he had messed with prior over here. Like Father Jim Kramer was in Suicide Squad. Okay. You know, and, th- and this Dyad was a, a character that he messed with a lot in Firestorm. So, you know, I mean, it's a really neat thing to see this guy always, Um. Uh, you know, obviously, it, 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 you, you know, you think about it, Spectre needs like some kind of religious guide. He already had this guy created. Why make a new guy? Especially when like nobody gives a shit. You can do whatever you want with Father. You know, like right. It's not right. like he's like, hey, I need to do something with Doctor Fate or you know, yeah, uh, you know Shazam or something. Eh, we don't know so much about that. What about this guy I made up? He's been in one comic. I don't even know what you're talking about, asshole.
2: Go for it. <laughs>
1: I figure somebody at D.C. when this approved just thought this would be a critical success that they would cancel somewhere in the first two years. But it's a nice run.
2: Yeah, I was going to say 60 some issues is nothing to sneeze at. So and an
1: annual.
2: Right. So uh, Nyad confronts the Spectre, accusing him of hypocrisy, hip- <laughs> hypocrisy for denying her vengeance. So she's wanting Better to enough. take. Yeah, she's wanting to take. I mean, hey. If any guy's going to understand vengeance, it's the specter.
1: Well, um, especially because what happened right before this is he judged. This It's kind of like a, a pastiche for the Balkan conflicts that were going on at the time. And he just killed everybody in these two countries except for their leaders and was like, I judge all of you. You all fucking suck. You two can live. And now I guess you can fight over what's left. Congratulations, guys. Mm. That's why he needs somebody like Jim Cramer, where you're like, Spec, spec.
2: Think about it, man. Bro,
1: bro, bro, bro. <laughs> I know you meant well. I'm not sure that killing all these kids was the right way to go about it. Right? Yeah, so yeah that's an Im- you're a fucking hypocrite to an extent.
2: That's yeah, and that's important because it's brought up in the story quite a few times. I think it's uh, Valatov <laughs> or Vlatov or something like that. I can't remember the name of Vlatava. The, so the, yeah, the big V. The big. <laughs> <laughs> not touching that. So the Spectre is seeking to understand Nyad's anger. Goes into the soul plane, I think. He's like upset. He's like, okay, let's go into the soul plane. I'll see you there because I can't hurt you out here. And what he ends up encountering is Gaia, which is uh, essentially the representation of Earth. So he re- she reveals herself to be the source of Nyad's power. All right. Now, things are about to pick up, ladies and gentlemen, because Superman gets involved when he is tasked with using the Spear of Destiny against the Spectre. This is... I'm going to go ahead and say this. You guys feel free to comment here in a few. But this felt like, my goodness, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> like, where's, where's the Spear of Destiny? In a warehouse that the U.S. government has, <laughs> along with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and that's where Hazard ends up finding the Spear of Destiny. He goes and gets it. And it's so funny because he's got to talk these guys into finding it first in that warehouse. And then grabs the Spear of Destiny, goes to the president. And the president's like, here, Superman, do us a favor. Can you go talk to the Spectre a little bit? Maybe talk him down. But what they don't understand at the time when they give him the spear is the fact that it's cursed and the spear's dark influence tempts old Superman to violence. Uh, not only that, like, it's more than that. Like, it, it's it's like you can rule. You can rule the world. It will corrupt you if you own it. I think I've said that 20 times already, so bear with yeah. me. 21 Ultimately, now. Ultimately, the Spectre induces a vision for Superman to free him from the Spear's control. We got to talk about that, but we're just going to call it a vision for right now to free him from the Spear's control. Realizing the importance of balance and temperance, the Spectre entombs the Spear of Destiny and hurls it into space. The story concludes with the Spectre learning a valuable lesson in a skull asteroid. asteroid. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's,
1: it's really cool. Like, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. One thing you will never accuse the specter of from like, let's say like the seventies on when it's the Jim Aparo, Michael Fleischer, like cutting people in half with scissors and shit and like people's faces melted or like turning somebody into grass and then mowing them. Like you will never accuse the specter of being like, you know, like boring. Yeah. Like is right. always a little extra. You know, he can't just like throw the spear away. Got to wrap it in an asteroid with skull. Be like, yes, maybe somebody will find that
2: later. Throws it on into
1: the,
2: uh, throws it on into space. Uh, So yeah, Spectre learns a valuable lesson about the temptation of power and the need for balance within himself. I don't want we don't have to go issue by issue. There's only four issues here, but let's let's just go ahead and start real quick and talk about their first issue because that I mean there's some h- heavy topics going on there. We have the enclave, which is a Jewish community, and you know we have the rabbi who accidentally killed somebody. Clearly, the African-American community is really upset about what happened because this guy got acquitted. Wow. You could look at that in 2023. You could probably see some stuff there. The bulk of our first issue is about that conflict. The Spectre showing up and kind of trying to like he doesn't really smooth things over. He's like, just get. Shows up and says, get out of here, you know. Well, the
1: specter's not known for his light touch. He's the fucking <laughs> he got, angel of vengeance, God. the wrath of God. You know, he's not like, you know what I mean? Like, right. he's like He's like, listen, listen, listen. What I really work at is being subtle. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so me saying that he's coming over to smooth things over, that's not the case, no. He's just like, hey. Yeah,
1: he's going to this... come smooth things over with a chainsaw. Pretty
2: much. Pretty much. This ends, he shows up, this ends now, you know, we get the fight between the two hate demons, and then Asmodus shows up, says, it's with me all along. And then Spectre sends them off. But uh,
1: I mean, I really liked it. I don't know that there may be an exact thing that this is based on, but it seemed to me to be a lot of uh, amalgamations of several instances of of tension in, uh, you know, in, uh, in cities between different minorities, you know, black people and Jewish people in this instance. And I don't know. I think they did a pretty good job without being too trite of trying to, you know, like solve a very complicated situation. Uh, Or at least explain a complicated situation to where like you know people can kind of see both sides. I like the rabbi a lot, especially the part where like the specter goes to judge him, and the specter's like, "You know who I am?" He's like, "Oh, I know exactly who you fucking are."
0: (laughs) And he's like, and
1: I love where he's like, "I did it. I'm, I'm, I'm basically murdered again." And the specter's like, "It's not like that. Like you know, like it's sad. You committed the sin of pride, obviously, but like this was not your intent. We can't. We're not going to judge you based on this. It it sucks." You know, but I think that's an important lesson that the Spectre's trying to learn as he tries to take on the idea of getting justice with mercy for the purposes of vengeance on a more individual level, because when he tried to solve the world's problem, he just killed all these people. Yeah. And now he's trying to, you know, he's trying to find a different way. I think the page where he puts the scale up is just like, you know, really, really great. I also think the page where they, um, uh, where they show atrocities that were committed to Jewish people during World War II with the Holocaust and uh, ho- uh, concentration camps. And also what happened to uh, black people here, with lynchings to KKK slavery because there's a really well drawn picture where like the specter is showing both the, the rabbi and the guy whose son was killed by the rabbi, like each other's grief. And uh, you're led to believe that the rabbi had a son who like died in the Holocaust, you know what I mean? So like he under understands losing a son and the rabbi passes on. And I assume he goes, Wherever Jewish rabbis who are good people go, who, you know, with a couple spots go when they die. I'm not familiar enough with the Jewish faith to uh, say. And I know why they had to do the Asmodus stuff and like why he's like, oh, look, there's these demons. But, you know, it, it cheapens it a little. I think they do a good job where like they continue to fight even after the demons are gone because like these, these demons didn't have to be there for there to be this tension. You have two groups of people who are used to being historically persecuted. And you have two groups of people who are used to not getting justice, you know, because uh, because the status quo has denigrated and denied them such. So I, I really, I really appreciated, you know, showing that that like the Jewish people are entrenching, and the white people are like, "Where's our justice?" The Jewish people is like, "Where's ours?" May not be an easy answer here, you know, and I think they 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 do a good job of not trying to proclaim one, but so much is like, you know, sorrow is sorrow and grief is grief, and both sides had you know had their tragedies. To lighten things up at the end, I do enjoy where we learn you got Bill Clinton, fucking Bill, fucking Clinton, you know, like talking about smoking weed. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) Bill Clinton's all like, oh, I didn't inhale. I'm like, well, let me tell you something. I've done been inhaling Bill, so you don't have to worry about
2: it. I, I might be at a disadvantage for not reading. I mean, I knew there was this issue at the end where they were talking about how the Spectre had went off and killed these people. It's not rehashed at the beginning. It's not like, hey, let catch up, everybody, by the way, which is fine with me. I don't I didn't need that. But I think if I would have known that this whole situation that the Spectre was involved in here, you you might be sitting there wondering, like, is, is the Spectre going to go off again? Is he going to level this community now? Is this a situation where, like, oh my goodness, now we're just going to have a flattened part of wherever this is at? Um, yeah, yeah. There is a lot that's being said here because you have these two groups of people that are, are really incensed. They're really upset with each other. The specter shows up, fights demons the size of buildings, and it doesn't stop. Me, I'd be running because I'd be afraid for my life. But that that isn't that isn't the case. So that's the kind of the kind of unfortunate situation that hateful misunderstanding can get you into. So I think that's another thing that they're probably probably driving at
0: here. This issue was very heavy. <laughs> um, this is not a kid's comic. Um, I did like it, but I don't know. this was probably my least favorite issue of the entire story and it's it's got a lot of self-contained plots. Uh, You know, it doesn't feature the Justice Society. It doesn't feature someone with a magic spear. It doesn't feature Superman. It's very grounded. um, And it also shows how violence and wrath and all of these other things that the Spectre is supposed to represent make things worse, right? The only way he's able to rectify the situation or really have any positive impact is when he says, okay, you two are going to understand each other in a way that only I can do right it's it's empathy it's connection it's seeing that your leaves on the same tree you're not you're not different trees you're not different anything so i did like that and that's that's a classic ostrander like you know superpower doesn't necessarily make the situation better but figuring out how to make a connection does so i i I thought that was very good but up until then it was like oh man i i just kept thinking i would have hated this when it came out (laughs) <laughs> when I when I was reading, because I would have been like, "Oh man, racism and violence and the church and and I don't want anything to do with any of this." I can see where you're coming from, Derry. Trust me, because and a lot of this was
2: I was like, "Is this what the whole story is going to be about? Is that <laughs> what we're getting? Like this is because I thought this that I thought we were going to continue." Some kind of a story involving, uh, you know, these two people having these issues. I, I thought the guy with the gun that was like, oh, let's go get him, you know. And I was like, oh, we're going to follow this guy. This is going to be the main antagonist of this book. That's not the case. I think, like, I honestly, I know this is part one of the story, but like part one is like, what, two pages, if that? Yeah. of 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 what the story's actually going to be. So if you're just a superhero guy looking for good old superhero stuff, this is probably not where you're going to be looking for good old superhero stuff. It's, until... You know,
1: until- that's the reason that, like, you know, the, you know, a lot of the covers would eventually say, you know, like I said, suggested for mature readers. Like, no, it, that doesn't... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and groom? titties and heads getting blown off. I mean, it sometimes means that like, hey, this subject matter isn't necessarily what you'd expect to find. But that's the theme of this book throughout. It asks a lot of questions. I don't know if you ever get a lot of answers, but it's like, what is justice? What is righteousness? What is vengeance? What is God? What's God's plan for things?
0: What's I think role? it gives you an answer to all of those. It says, you know, I don't says know the that earth. it
1: really does.
0: I think it says that the answer is compassion. You know, the answer is you can be angry at your neighbor as much as you want, but at the end of the day, if you can find a way to understand them, and here it's the MacGuffin of the Spectre merging them together, that, that's really the only thing we have. That is the closest thing we're going to have to the divine, is 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 compassion. Maybe that is my um, very, 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 very lapsed Catholic upbringing,
1: but it's it's no, really I, just I, Actually, I don't disagree with you. I was speaking of those concepts on a metaphysical level. Mm-hmm. You know but you're right as far as like i think when it breaks down every religion and almost every disagreement between them or between different groups of people it really does come down to eventually somebody being brave enough to be compassionate, and in those times I feel like that is when we do touch the divine, the spark in us that is the divine as well. I mean a lot of people don't, know this, don't talk about it very often but like I believe in God and I have a very quiet belief and I go about my day because I think it's a matter of faith and not fact, so I don't really feel the need to talk to a lot of people about it, but I do agree with you, that compassion, the moments when you're like trying to help and trying to overcome problems, especially by Again, being brave enough to not, you know, be hateful, that's where we find God day in, day out. So I totally agree with you there. It's a different kind of metaphysics than I was talking about.
0: I do love that, uh, speaking about this not being a superhero comic, it is at the end because you suddenly get a brand new character whose name is Professor Nicodemus. Hazard. Hazard. And I was so disappointed to look up after that he has not appeared anywhere else. Because if you had told me... Yeah, if you had told me that he became a drinking partner with John Constantine or a pen pal with Willoughby Kipling or was sleeping at Baron Winter's house, I would have been all about it. I would read that mini miniseries. Um, but he shows if up. If
1: you in time, they'll discover it. They'll, they'll get them in suits. Give Horace right. time. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. Like, this this guy totally fits in with that trench coat brigade feel, you know, but it's yeah, exactly. never really used elsewhere. But I don't get the feeling that they were denied John Constantine. I think they wanted their own character.
0: Oh, yeah. It because... doesn't
1: feel like a Constantine pastiche at all. No, no, know?
0: no, not at all. I was just using those as an example. Ha- oh, ha- Hazard is your um, – he's, he's Willard from – apocalypse now the action is happening around him for the rest of the story right he talks to the justice society he gets their part you see their story he doesn't wield the spear of destiny but he allows superman to be able to wield it so i liked it constantine would have been you know having his own agenda he would have been the antagonist it would have been too much you needed someone who was on a lower level i just like the name yeah and i i just like the fact that uh The Oval Office has a has a, you know, at the time it would have been an entry in a Rolodex that says, hey, we need someone who can fall asleep, access the dreaming and find out arcane knowledge uh, because we don't yet have Google from a book that they won't write. Yeah, man, that's
2: great. Oh, it's great stuff. The character that he's running into there in the dreaming, is that somebody that's been around for a while? Oh, yeah, that's
1: Lucy and the librarian from Sandman. Like and honestly, I wanted to bring this up. What a- fucking moment, because you didn't see a lot of the Vertigo guys appearing in, like, DC titles at this time. The Spectre was one of those titles you would kind of call was, like, a bridge title. Like, the Phantom Stranger could do Vertigo shit, but then he could be in the Spectre. Swamp Thing Mm -hmm. could do Vertigo shit, but he could be in the Spectre. But, like, for the most part, they kept these lines very strongly demarcated. So to see Lucian was, like, wow, awesome. I also really, really love the song, Luck of Lucian by A Tribe Called Quest. Everybody should listen to Tribe Called Quest, one of the greatest groups of all time. And everybody should fucking listen to them. You should at least listen to that song. What a fucking jam. And I always think of it whenever I see his name. They don't really go together at all, but it's a goodbye. It's a goodbye. <laughs>
2: That's great. We mentioned the Justice Society. Let's talk about it. That happens in issue two. My
1: favorite superhero team of all time.
2: Yeah, buddy. The Justice Society shows up as Nicodemus Hazard is. He's trying to do, basically, he's just doing some research, trying to find out how can we handle this problem, the Spectre. And he's. Yeah,
1: because I don't think he wants to kill him or anything. He's legitimately being like, you guys used to be his friend when he was like fucking lifting ships like they were the shit. Remember hey. remember those like ads when you read like seventies and eighties comics and they're like Task Force Navy send away and you'll get eighty five thousand ships or however fucking many there are. You remember those? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and they mm-hmm. had similar ones for like the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. Have you ever seen pictures of them? They're apparently shitty. In my mind they were a Amazing. But it's like he was playing with those ships, right? Like he's just like, what do you want? I'm just gonna fucking juggle some battleships for a little
0: bit. <laughs> yeah, that. Sit so- of
1: these. You can't stop me, God.
2: <laughs> the
1: opening page.
2: The opening page is exactly how you're describing it there, with him with this massive battleship in his hands, while the Justice Society's flying all around him. So yeah, he's going through. Uh, he's going and talking to all the senior members of the. When I say senior. I mean, they they've gotten up there in age, folks uh, of the Justice Society. He's learning a little bit more of the Spectre as he goes along. So you get you get your appearances of Hawkman. Uh, oh and my Hawk goodness, Woman. and Hawkwoman, and Hawkwoman Carter. Help me out. Um, Carter the and Shira
1: uh, Saunders, No, Hall Hall
2: Hall. Yeah, Carter. Hall. Okay, Saunders is later, right? Uh, he goes and talks to somebody. We discussed Sandman Wesley Dodds. He gets to talk mm-hmm. to him. Oh yeah. Um, as, and the Golden Age
1: so Sandman himself.
2: That's right. So he's getting around and talking to all the older members of the Justice Society and learning more and more about him.
1: When I was very young, I, I, we would go to the flea market, and this one lady, and she was not very nice. Let me have you know, <laughs> she had like long box after long box of like quarter DC comics. I remember seeing like y'all ever see the World's Finest with like the super the super kids. Like Batman Jr. and Superman Jr. back in the 70s. She had a bunch of those. She had Legion of Superheroes. And uh, she had all these all-star squadrons. I'm a World War II mark. One of the first things I read when I was a kid was like the uh, World War II encyclopedia entry. I loved the maps. I would like, be like, oh, this is how it worked. This is. This is why the Germans lost at El Alamein, I'll have you understand. It had (laughs) a lot to do with supply lines. And so, like, when I learned these guys were fighting during the Second World War, I was automatically, like, you know, just entranced by that idea. And then, like, I got to learn more. And I'm a big, you know, I'm a history buff, period. But I really get into the history of anything I'm into. Like, y'all can tell, like, you know, I know a lot about, like, all of my interests. You know, wrestling, music, comic books, baseball, what have you. And so this really, they really crossed over. And so, like, I just could not get my hand on enough Justice Society stuff. At the same time, the Strazuzki Parabank Justice Society drops. And that is such a good comic book. It's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. I saw this stuff around the time that I lost my dad uh, when he killed himself and stuff. And, like, it was weird because I felt like, this sounds so stupid, but I felt like Jay Garrick and Greenland and Alan Scott were, like, they were now my grandpas like, like I could like lean on them in a way I didn't have a dad uh, when my mom's dad died when she was young and my dad's dad was, you know, I don't know where the fuck he was by then. It it sounds weird, but I just leaned on them in a way. And like, and again, the more I learned about the Justice Society, the more I liked them, the more I liked the idea. Then I discovered like Infinity Incorporated and the 70s Paul Levitt's Wood stuff with Power Girl and the Star Spangled Kid and that kind of thing. And I just I don't know. It was also just really cool to to learn that there was a legacy with this shit. They're like, oh, there was a Golden Age Hawkman, and then this Hawkman, and now this Hawkman. It was like every door I opened in the world of superheroes just opened another door, and there was something like cooler and cooler and cooler behind it. And the Justice Society was one of the first things I saw like that. Like, there are how many Green Lantern? Yes, Green Lantern, his weakness is wood. Why does that Flash guy have a fucking weird hat on? You know what I mean? Right, right. That's me. I don't know how y'all feel about the Justice Society but that's basically you know that's a bunch of like weird mishmash things that all come together too they are my favorite superhero team okay I,
2: I'm, I think I got a hold of something from the library that had all the crossovers for you know like where the JLA and JSA would crossover yeah. uh, so or a crisis probably on the crisis on two earths or something I can't remember Crisis it's, on or, earths one and two there you go that's
1: so the very first one where they bet yeah
2: that is probably my I was I was a mark for crossovers
1: yeah for so sure. it,
2: if it, I didn't care who it contained, if uh, Marvel, DC, whatever, I couldn't wait to see what they were trying to do to get those stories told with those two characters in it. I so, think you
1: and I, too, like, were socioeconomically similar. You didn't have a lot of money. So hmm. if you could get a comic book that had like 30 superheroes in it as opposed to like two, that's the one you <laughs> wanted, and you're going to get a lot more bang for <laughs> your buck, right? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that they flesh out here with the Spectre and the Spear of Destiny in this issue is about the fact that how there was like this – uh, what they call it—a field of influence or something—where yeah. like magic-based things could not go across. Or Hitler no, would South gain DC, control.
1: The DC universe canonically explained why the superheroes didn't just go win world war ii
2: honestly i think that is a great way of explaining it i was thinking I, about that today
0: no hard hard disagree hard i would disagree? do what they they did in marvel with the invaders where it's like it why doesn't why doesn't namor just go kill hitler Well, because hitler's got 15 super people who are always surrounded by like come up with better stuff this this i The Justice Society of America, arguably the most powerful superhero of all time, can't go fight in the European theater because of magic MacGuffins. It's like Hey, they can't go to the
1: Pacific (laughs) theater either.
0: Well, whatever. Come on, you know what I meant. Like that's it's not it's nonsense. It's like are you telling me you don't want to have stories where they're 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 fighting, they're like in Berlin, they're liberating camps, they're doing all the cool stuff the invaders got. To do. You don't want to see Alan Scott in Paris, like, come on, this is nonsense. I mean, like, I mean
1: you're acting like this never happened. Like, there's stuff like the JSA Liberty Files, oh, I know, all this stuff I know, all star squadron. I'm talking, but they need They needed a canonical reason why they couldn't just go do it all the time. And this is as good as any. You have to think about like when this was like done, you're talking about the DC superheroes. So why doesn't Superman and Wonder Woman and the Spectre and Dr. Fate, they're a lot more powerful than Captain America and Nabor and Bucky. You know, I mean, I think that's part of the problem too. You could believe that it would take the invaders like half a year to somehow fight from Italy all the way to Berlin. If you let Superman and Spectre in there, the war's over in five minutes
0: all right, fine. Maybe the spirit of destiny (laughs) and the other magical items are why the specter cannot end everything else. And, and the, the Nazis were known occultists like, fine. That's, that makes sense. But like, it, literally like this is a recurring motif as to why the justice society didn't have more like battles there. I just, I just I always viewed it as a cop out. It's like, they're not gods. They have weaknesses. Just create more villains for them to fight. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I was just going to say, I didn't realize
2: it was the whole justice society. I only thought it was the specter <laughs> when I was reading this. Oh, I no, was,
1: no, it's the whole no, justice. I mean, society. I mean, other, wow. other guys have gone like, okay. Um, like Dr. Midnight and our man canonically did like missions. It was only the ones that were like, super powerful like green lantern and dr fate the specter couldn't go but like the adam punched some nazis in europe i think part of the problem is is this is something that was done decades later because at the time the reason they didn't have superman go fight the nazis is because they thought it would be bad. they literally thought it would be bad for the morale of americans Okay. Like, this would just be a bad show, you know, because he's Superman. You could do that. Like, Captain America punches Nazis all the time in his 40s books. But Superman doesn't do that so much. He deals with some savagers and stuff like that. And, like, the idea was that, like, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. It just, like, morale would, you know, would somehow affect morale. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it meant that, like, 40 years later, when assholes like us are looking at this stuff, <laughs> somebody had to explain why they didn't just go do it. And I think right. this is as good as any 40 years later.
0: Okay. The other example I always point to, other than the the invaders, and, and Dean's right, the invaders were first of all they came later, they were a retcon themselves, and they're much much less powerful. The other and thing they I was
1: the Nazis in their time canonically, which Superman and Wonder Woman like didn't really do at the time, sure, unless yeah. they came here, like Cap parachuted into fucking wherever. The other
0: one that was a contemporary of the Justice Society that I'm a huge fan of, and that'll never get reprinted again. Is uh, uh Shazam versus the Monster Society of Evil. And there's there's a couple of issues where the Monster Society uh actually includes as its members every single leader of an access power yeah. nation. Like they're they're literally drawn in panel reporting to Mr. Mine and oh, Shazam man. and his family have to stop them. And I again that book skewed even younger to to Dean's point. Like that that no one took that book seriously, but I always right. laugh because it's like you know what was what was Hitler and and the others doing uh, during the forties of the Fawcett comics? Well, they were listening to a Venusian mind worm as Shazam, like you know, punched out whatever uh, super mecha thing they had built that month. So, I mean, there's there's different ways to take this. I I personally, I always viewed the Justice Society way as a cop out. but I, I also don't share Dean's um, uh, love of of, of the stuff. I'm happy to see that you Jesse thought it was just the Spectre because that would have made way more sense to me. I
2: do want to bring up the other moment, the big moment that's in this book, uh, in this in this issue, and that is when Hazard begins to realize. It seems like the Spectre is, as he's been on this Earth, he's definitely changing in some way. I think the the phrase that he uses is that the more times he spends with humanity. Like the more human he becomes, yes. Is that is that what it was? And so there is some truth
1: to that. Part of part of the problem with like the specter is if he gets separated from a human host, or he's not around humans for a while, he loses he loses his ability to perceive like humanity. And again, you know, like I said earlier, if, if the specter decided to judge us, we would all be found unworthy.
2: The moment that I was talking about is when Carter and Shira call upon the specter. To like bring their son back. That's where, I mean, that's, that's a rough, buddy. It is a rough scene. It, it really is. And Derry, another heavy, uh, heavy instance in this book right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he shows up and he's like, what do you guys want? And they're like, can you bring our son back? I mean, listen, I can't even imagine what their grief is. I'm sure it's immeasurable. But to, to a point where you're just like bring my son back. And it, it it's not like there's a bit of compassion in the voice of the specter. <laughs> He's just like, Oh, I can't do that. Your son is dead. It's that like has I nowhere
1: to come back to. He's got no body. You know, right. like, what are you talking about? It's exactly. not part of the plan.
2: And they beg him. Okay. Like, look, just bring back his ghost. We just want to say goodbye. That's all we want to do is say goodbye to our son. He's like, even if I could, I would not. That's not why I'm here. And
1: then he left. And, I mean, it's rough. To be fair, like, of course he was cold. These people he hasn't seen in a long time, like, show up out of nowhere. And they're not like, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, Spectre, how are you? How have you been? They're like, hey, do us a favor. And by the way, this favor is bring our dead son back to life. Can yeah. you imagine? He was super insulted. That's rude.
2: It's <laughs> rude. That's rude, Carter Hall.
1: No, I understand. I, I understand.
2: I, I want to give this issue kind of a bit of a spotlight because of, I, honestly, I think it is one of my favorite out of this series Uh, i mean i love superman fighting at the end here so but this gives you a little bit of history and there is a massive history of the justice society but this whole ragnarok thing that's going on dean can you shed any light on that is that what is that what happened in the comics is these guys got stuck in limbo and
1: at one point they got stuck in limbo fighting ragnarok you know again and again they would die and then you know the the Midgard or the Asgardian like bad guys would die, then they just do it all again. And I believe in Armageddon Inferno in the '90s. Somehow they're able to come back, and they're still since they were in limbo, they hadn't really aged or anything, okay. you know, a whole lot. Fair so enough. that's where they were, and that that canonically happened. I think it happened from like the end of like uh, the last days of the Justice Society until then, until like Armageddon Inferno number four. I want to say.
2: Let's talk about Superman. Let's do it. I mean, (laughs) Superman is given the Spear of Destiny and told to go talk to the Spectre and let's see what happens. Meanwhile, Nyad is just wrecking Tokyo, flooding people out, drowning people left and right. Spectre's now showed up. He's talking to Gaia. There's a...
1: The Ice Dagger's thing was particularly brutal.
2: Oh, yeah, dude, where she sent them up into the atmosphere and they just came back down, like, right. just shredded people. And the guy that gets killed, like, the oil exec that comes out and is he drank the water and his face explodes.
1: From oh, a yeah, to, like, yeah. <laughs> he looks like, I used to play Predator 2 on the Sega Genesis a fucking ton. And, like, when you would walk, like, it would, uh, you know, the three dots? Uh-huh. Like, from the Predator, like, they would, fa- you know, they would start falling. You had to walk away. If you stayed in one spot too long, they would show up. And if you kept staying there, it would land on you. And then you would die. And this eye would, like, come towards the screen. Like, <laughs> You know, so it reminded me a lot of that, because, you know, good times, great oldies.
2: Oh, yeah, buddy. You you can't go wrong with an eyeball coming at you. But,
1: yeah, what a disgusting panel in the best possible way. Yeah. And, uh, And that ties into, you know, kind of another Spectre legacy. Like I said, in the 70s, there's some grisly Spectre comics, you know, by Michael Fleischer and Jim Aparo. Really good stuff in Adventure Comics, you know, but also, like, you know, like I said, pretty grisly. They actually had an animated short that was, like, inspired by them. On the uh, DC uh, Showcase Black, it was a Black Adam versus Superman and Shazam, and that is like a really great little cartoon. So yeah, that, that was, one was uh,
0: really good.
1: Yeah, if you ever want to know a lot about the Spectre, like that's all, probably all the best of the Spectre rolled into one.
2: All right, well, Derry, what'd you think of Superman showing up here and going toe to toe with the Spectre?
0: I loved the scene of him in the Oval Office uh, with his post-resurrection long hockey hair. It reminded me very much of uh, Frank Miller's *The Dark Knight*, where you know Reagan calls him in and says, "Well, you got to deal with your friend's son." And here, it's kind of the same way, showing that Superman will always have a fealty to to the office and to someone who represents the establishment, whether it's the Gipper or, or Bubba here. So I I did like that. I I, I thought that was an interesting way to set it up. I I, I liked it too because I wasn't expecting it. Granted, I was expecting it because 22 was the first one I read uh, many, many years ago, but uh, I, I love the way it's set up here where they want a way to control the Spectre, they find this weapon, they give it to the person they think is completely trustworthy to it and then the second he is out the door they realize oh no we just gave hitler superman's body and i feel like that <laughs> right. was a that was a great turnaround and then you know in in, in, in perfect ostrander <laughs> fashion the way the plot is wrapped up by having specter show him a fake dream and having superman's innate you know nobility win over it, it almost has like an ec comics feel the the specter and ec they kind of live in the same part of my brain even though he predates them but uh, i i thought it was great and there's this panel that i kept laughing at in the uh the fourth issue where batman is with a gun and a, a cyborg eye and a bandolier and he looks like something out of the dceu and superman's just like that gun's got kryptonite bullets Good. And then it ends and Batman's cape fades into the green cape of the Spectre. I thought that was a that was a really good way to wrap this up.
1: I like yeah. how he has one Kryptonite bullet, but like he has a bandolier person. You don't need that bandolier. What are you doing? <laughs> you got one bullet we've seen that we know you've only got one little thing also that cyborg guy. I had an action figure in the 90s it was like from like the Legends of Batman series called like Cyborg Batman it looked a lot like it looked a lot like this one but I think it comes from Robin 3000 it Had that same like red eye effect cool shit
0: No, i I misspoke i don't even think it's a cyborg guy. i think it's just uh because he's holding the gun like in the crux of his arm but i guess he wants to make Uh. sure he doesn't miss because he's got one bullet i i don't know i do like tom mandrake as an artist but sometimes i really gotta pay attention to what is going on in the pages
2: i mean this is like is this a battle of the century kind of thing here like how many times has specter and superman gone toe-to-toe is
0: this the first
1: I don't know of any prior to this, but I know they fight later in, like, the DC 2000 series. Yeah, There's I basically JSA versus JLA.
0: I don't think they fought before this, because you, you, you have to remember, and some of the Justice Society members allude to this, but this is not even 10 years removed from Crisis on Infinite Earths. And before right. then, you know, Superman and the Justice Society hadn't been on the same world for, like, right. 40 years or some nonsense. There is an earth to Superman, but he's not... The, you know, he's not the Silver Age flying from galaxy to galaxy Superman. Uh, you know, he's the he's the reformed social crusader version of the character. So, I don't think the two of them really would have had it out like this. Uh, until now, I think that's one of the reasons that this is, this is such a solid story because you're just you're really not expecting it. And then you can, you can see Superman's heel turn is very believable. And that kind of puts the specter, you know, forces him to say, well, this is kind of your fault because you went off the freaking rails. How are you going to fix this? And again, it's like, well, I'm going to let his nobility come through because that's what I have learned. Like if a person is good and you give them the opportunity to be so, you know, they they will surprise you. I thought that was a great way of, of wrapping up the storyline. I mean, if you got Superman
2: versus the Spectre on the cover, <laughs> Darius going to be picking it up. I'll probably pick it up if I would have seen it. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. that, that is if you knew who the Spectre was and what you're wanting to know, what could possibly bring these two against each other and who is going to walk away the winner if that happens. Now, I know how comics work, but back then. You didn't you didn't know. You didn't know (laughs) what was going to happen. And the way that this story is told, it's like you're reading the page and all of a sudden Superman is plunging that spear right into the specter and like, oh, oh, I didn't see this coming. Oh. And then, of course, you know, I got shades of what was the Black Mercy was kind of going through my head. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, all right. I see what's happening here. But yeah, I mean, still a great small bit of story told. About how like all of the superheroes are like just going after him, and of course Superman, what's he's got two weaknesses? Yeah, you got kryptonite, but yeah. magic he doesn't do so well against either. Yep. And this is, you know, it it is a this this spear has corrupted him. I think it was. I thought it was great. So uh, Dean, go ahead, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great too. I mean, you get to see like this this grand fight. Nyad's destroying Tokyo. The Spectre and Gaia are dueling philosophically while this happens. You know, they're accusing each other of being hypocrites. They're probably both right. I didn't remember there's that one moment where that guy like, She's flooding that office, and the guy's like, oh, the toilets must be leaking again. And he's putting his foot in the water. And I was like, bro, if the toilets are leaking, if you think that's toilet water, why would you put your foot in there?
0: Oh, You've got to be, you gotta be smarter it.
1: than that. You've got to have a plan. Like the guy from the Carnage concert, Madison Square Garden, he had a plan. <laughs> he was ready to go. He wanted his knife in there. He got it in there. Let me tell you, guy, what's his plan?
2: What would would the guy at the Madison Square Garden, the knife guy, what could he have done with the spear? Now, think about that. Mm. What kind of a world would we have been living in?
1: Honestly, if if he had the spear, you know, the Spectre would have done the same thing to him, but like inverted. Like it would have been about like... Like, you'd be like, oh, good. Well, now you're in charge of the world. Here comes the Suicide Squad. Now here comes Superman. Now here comes this guy. Here, oh, you're never going to get the rest. How about that? Now you get to fight all the armies. He's like, I'm tired of this. And he'd give it up. He's like, yeah, you're too weak for the spear, son. That's probably what he would have done. What him.
2: I love is that you could have left it when I asked the question. But nope. you looked to the sky and your brain was gone. I could see it. And I was like, he's going to provide an answer. And by- why
1: would I not provide an answer? Oh, why- Jesse?
2: Why wouldn't it? old
1: Jesse ask a question? Then Dean Compton's gonna answer it. Damn right. I, um, uh, I do think that like one of the cool things about this fight is like straight up, if they fought like the Spectre's gonna destroy Superman, Superman can't really do anything to him. But this is a great equalizer where you're like, all of a sudden he, you know, he does the game has changed. It's definitely a great story for. Really, everybody involved, Superman's like, I have a lot to think about because maybe I'm not as incorruptible as I thought, you know, and Spectre's like, I have a lot to think about because, you know, maybe powerful people, you know, can like eschew the the temptation that comes with power that leads a lot of people to engage in, you know, malevolent and tyrannical behavior. Nyad's got some stuff, you know, and, and, and uh, Gaia have some stuff to think about, like, what does balance really mean? How does that work? The Spectre says a great thing, when, when he killed everybody in Blotva and, like, uh, fucking caused a volcano, it caused a lot of pollution, as volcanoes do. Like, uh, you know, a volcano was uh, primarily responsible, I believe, for 1816, which was the year without a summer. Like, uh, a volcano had exploded across, like, the Earth, and, like, it made temperatures and like weather fucking crazy because there was so much soot and ash had been shot up there and shit, right? You know, he, he atoned for that. And then Superman was like, well, do it all with all the pollution. Eh, every, I'm only responsible for this. Everybody, humanity's got to find its own way. Part of that is the specter's judgment of the DC universe. But part of that is also going to be what Darius said, allowing the people who have goodness in their heart. To find a path that while sometimes rocky and sometimes barred by thorns, to get by those thorns with the scrapes and bruises and lacerations necessary to come out the person they always wanted to be and the person that they are on the other side. And that's I why I like this comic book so much when it comes to the specter. Like, yeah, maybe if I had been a little younger, and I, I was, you know, somewhat precocious, so I did like them at the time. You're still it,
0: somewhat precocious.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's the young <laughs> man's term. Um, but like I like when I guess Kurt Musiak said it, like, where he's like, I like when you can have like the personification of fear and the personification of speed, have a conflict and have something meaningful come out of it. The Spectre comic does a great job of having conflicts where like you don't necessarily get like a hook hard. Cut and dry, this is the answer you're looking for, but you get all the material you need to find your answer, you know, wh- wherever this, you know, would lead you. And I just, I, I love it when superhero comic books are more than just superhero comic books without turning into like pretentious dribble. And this one does a great job of being more than a superhero comic, but never ever be too heavy handed or too like into its own bullshit, like yeah, spell preaching. its own parts and do that. Right.
0: If Superman and the Spectre were going to fight, like really had a reason to throw down and it had to be stopped, they could have the personification of Jerry Siegel himself, you know, show up like uh, like one of the uh, seven unknown men of Slaughter Swamp. Just be like, boys, don't do this. Don't fight on my behalf. And the Spectre would be like, oh, yeah, you you have suffered enough. And then he would just go away and Clark would go back to doing whatever Clark does.
1: Maybe they could run into him like the way the Fantastic Four met Jack Kirby. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking of that scene from Wade and Ringo's Fantastic Four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Uh, I asked uh, ChatGPT who would win in a fight just to see what Why they are you
1: said. trying to replace us? <laughs> huh? The future is truly here.
2: Ultimately, the result of such a battle is open to interpretation and can vary depending upon the creative direction and the writers in specific circumstances. Is that not like the biggest BS answer you ever heard? I mean, I mean, it's
0: true though, it's true. <laughs> the
1: problem with if, it, like, you know If the I mean? fight like,
0: happens in action comics, he's gonna get an anti-magic suit, and that's gonna be that. If it happens in a book called The Spectre, Clark's going down.
1: He is. yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said in a vacuum, I think The Spectre takes him a lot, but like, we can yeah, always, too, any you know? good creator can come up with a way for Superman to reasonably beat The Spectre, mm-hmm. and vice versa so that's just the answer that's the answer to all superhero comics and I'm surprised at how many adult superhero fans there are who want that to not be the answer
2: right. who like
1: wildly yeah. fucking think that they're somehow like we can have fun with it and debate back and forth but they really want to definitively say like uh no way Ultra Magnus would totally beat Machine Man who fucking knows buddy like you whoever, whichever way we want to write it we can do it Squirrel will beat Galactus like you can do anything you want that's part of the beauty of superhero comics you know it's not just like you know straight up on paper like Batman figures out how to beat guys stronger than him all the time Punisher does too Superman like does stupid stuff so that people compete with him it's I like right. discussing it with y'all but I don't like it when people try and say that their opinion of a fake fucking fight between fake fucking superheroes is somehow definitive
0: I, I want to say that uh, I, I could not be a bigger Ultra Magnus fan, but there is no way he does not lose in a fight to Machine Man. I'm putting that out there. The Machine Man's going to beat Ultra
1: I Magnus. I would probably agree, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. but at the same time, would you, if there was a comic book where Ultra Magnus beat him, would it set you off? No, of course not. Yeah, you know I mean? Because you, you can see a plausible way for this giant fucking robot commander semi-truck to beat, you know, uh, a robot. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a great robot, mind you, with your stretchy arms and a really advanced brain and supervision and shit. But, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, I think he usually wins because he's cooler and he does cooler shit. But Ultramagnus is too indecisive. That's a big problem with him.
0: You know, what would be a cool story for that is Mach- Machine Man is vaguely based on Hal from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Right, right. And he's also got some connection to like the black monoliths from that movie. And it'd be great if he was fighting uh, ultra Magnus and he's like, Oh, I may not be able to beat you. Let me evolve you. And then the toy. And then he breaks down into the smaller toy where it's just the white Optimus prime. That'd be a great way of wrapping that up. I'm just Jesus saying, I buy that two pack is all I'm saying. <clears throat> Hasbro. I know you're listening to this. Give me that two pack
1: broke everything.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I
1: thought you were going to have a thing where, like, you know, Primus had something to do with the uh, obel- obelisks or something. Ooh, oh, I like
0: that. You know, the way Primus is drawn sometimes it really doesn't look any different than a Celestial, so I'm, I'm, I'm buying this. I'm <laughs> buying this. Anything left unsaid, boys, about
2: the Spear of Destiny?
0: Uh, all I would say is that if uh, you were unaware of this series, or uh, you haven't read it pick it up it's uh it's it's a good time really a solid four issue run again uh you really can't go wrong with john ostrander i I can't think of anything off the top of my head i wouldn't recommend to someone it's a good comic it's it's again I i don't love every single page of it but that's not the point it's good and it's enjoyable and uh the art holds up and if nothing else these covers are phenomenal uh yeah alex ross did issue 22 Bill Sienkiewicz did issue 20. I'm not familiar with who did 19 and 21. But again, both look like posters that should have been hanging on the wall of a comic book store back in the day. So just really solid stuff, even 30 years later.
2: Uh, this was our coverage of the Spectre <laughs> issues 19 and 20, 19 through 22, Spear of Destiny. Let's get into plugs. Dean Compton, tell us about The Unspoken Decade.
1: Yes, we're the TheUnspokenDecade.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. Really want to send a shout out like we've gotten a lot of traffic lately so everybody anybody who's listening who's helping with that traffic. I mean we're having like a thousand likes on some stuff we're getting like 50 yeah. shares 60 shares. Uh, wow. Some really good comments going back and forth. Uh, we've done a good job, I think, of purging a lot of uh, some negative people who've been around there, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll continue to do so. It's uh, you know we stay very positive. We have a lot of fun, and uh, so that's where we're at. Send me a blue sky invite if you've got one. We would really like to get on blue sky. I tell you what, probably going to be abandoning Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk is calling it this week because I, I can't do it no more. Um, uh, and that's uh, that's that's where you can find us. And uh, we hope to see you there. Drop us a line, man.
2: Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can check out the source material comics podcast feed on any podcatcher. You're probably listening to that right now. Uh, But uh, yeah, we got all sorts of great shows here. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out the super blog team up. I got the, I've participated in the super blog team up a couple times over the past uh, few years. And uh, it's a lot of great people that you get to enjoy what they write about comic books and listen to some podcasts. And I, participated by doing a podcast. We are celebrating, this last one we did, we celebrated 60 years of Avengers and X-Men. And we did that, my own personal one solo shot, by comparing and contrasting Ultron versus Nimrod, and I got an AI's perspective on that. And it was a lot of fun. It was about 30 minutes. I just feel
1: like that's such a terrible idea. You're like, hey, which of these killer fucking robots is better? I'll ask a robot. (laughs) Ha ha.
2: (laughs) It got real interesting when I was like, hey, what kind of bands would Ultron listen to? Type in hashtag SBTU on Twitter. You should be able to find all the great contributions that we had out there. That's it. We're out of here. Dean Compton right there. Derry Waits up there. I'm Jesse Starcher. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the unspokendecade.com, the home for 90s comics blogs and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattlitch and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon.